King Arthur's the king. Mark Kermode is a bitch. He hates fun and he do not like this podcast. It's gonna be real fun. It's the lightning round. It's heard you saw and it's about Guy Ritchie's King Arthur legend of the sword. Ah, woo, let's go. Okay, no preamble. It's heard you saw it. It's the fucking lightning round. We're on a time <laughs> schedule for this podcast. we got to leave the house in... 29 minutes, allegedly, oh. you know, so fucking, I'm here in Oxford, I'm joined by Maddie. Hi! And Rachel. Yo! That was a bit loud, maybe, the, the point's just there. Uh, but we no. just watched King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword by Guy Ritchie. We begin the show as ever with a round of one-line hot takes. Uh, Maddie has less food in her mouth, so Maddie, what's your one-line hot take of King Arthur, Legend of the Sword by Guy Ritchie starring Charlie Hunnam? I actually really like Guy Ritchie's aesthetic in this, I think. That's yeah. a good one line. Yeah. Fucking yeah. banging. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Rachel, what's your one line hot take of the same film that I just mentioned? I'm not doing the title again. A ridiculous delight. It is a ridiculous delight. I'm, and my one line hot take is like, Laz, you were right, buddy. They should have summoned that snake earlier. But also, <laughs> white boy King Arthur is my one true king. Um, so we're not going to do a full plot recap because honestly, it's, you know, it's fucking King Arthur. It's an origin story. Oh boy. It's an origin story with a wicked uncle. Yeah, you know, King Arthur denied his birthright, flung into obscurity and poverty, has to rise to take back his king for kingdom <coughs> from evil dude, dude law. I nearly said dude law. <laughs> evil like his, dude Jude. I mean, he is kind of a dude. Um. Evil dude Jude is out there being Vortigern, the evil king, who's ruling by dark magic and throwing women with his sad bell into a lake to be fed to the maiden mother crone squid people. It all makes sense if you watch it. Trust me, trust me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I feel like with, you know, as I've, well, I've blasted through that, haven't I? We've yeah. now got a solid 28 minutes to spend actually talking about our reactions to the film. Mm-hmm. So I can take it down a notch. Let's just all breathe. <gasps> <sighs> I'm going to take a bite of my sandwich. Oh yeah, by the way, I'm sorry for the um, noises of us eating, listener, but we're having lunch before we go out. Mm. So if you don't like chewing noises, fuck you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm sure that the discerning listener cannot hear us chewing. I'm pretty certain that they can. I can see the way that that's peeking on the audio. He said eating crisps. That's true. Oh, well, now you're just eating crisps. Well, like. I, I, I want to say that, you know, I was very proud of myself because I, I was the one who, although they had heard of this film, I acquired this film and mm. then was like, you don't understand, Nick. It's so beautiful. Um, yeah. And, and to be fair, he did understand because it is ridiculous. But it's so charming. It is. But it is ridiculous. It um, is. It, it does. Right, so the, the point of comparison I wanted to draw um, is the uh, modern remake of um, Robin Hood that was done in 2019 starring Taron Egerton, which the gimmick was it's like it's Robin Hood, the story, um, but it's set in like a sort of it draws really heavily on the aesthetics and sort of pseudo ideals of like the Antifa movement because it was like during the time when the Black Lives Matter protests and the sort of yeah, rise yeah, of Antifa yeah. in the public consciousness. Yeah, yeah. And the thing was that didn't really work. Okay. It kind of like had these aesthetics of kind of like being cool, but it felt a bit too like ironically detached and tonally dissonant for what it was trying to do. Whereas this was sort of a quote unquote modernist retelling of King Arthur in the sense that it's like King Arthur is a London like, you know, not quite Cockney. Charlie Hunnam does not attempt a Cockney accent for which I'm eternally grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like a wide boy, you know, yeah. he's brought up in a brothel. He, you know, is part of like the street culture. Yeah. He's got yeah. a lot of things, as Jude Law says, Got a lot of fingers in many pies. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. And he's like, you came from the street and now look where you are. Imagine if you had the advantages of being 
born in a palace. And you're just like, oh, here we go. <laughs> um, but it, it plays a lot with, like, dynamics of social class a bit more uh, pointedly than your standard Arthurian fare. Like, I liked Charlie Hunnam's... I mean, I, I'm going to be up front. If you've ever heard me talk about Pacific Rim, um, Charlie Hunnam is like, you know, he's he's over for me forever, you know? It's like, he's, he's one of my boys. I'm always going to go to bat for Charlie Hunnam. Because... He's, I think he's quite talented. And I think he really enjoyed this role. When I first saw him, mm-hmm. like, you know, you see Arthur grow up in a very Guy Ritchie-esque montage. A lot of getting punched in the face. Which I quite liked. Not, the, well, like, not really the punching. The, although, I you know, I did, think, I did think actually the level of violence felt appropriate for this. Mm. But that wasn't what I was going to say. I was going to say when I first saw him, I thought, oh, he looks a bit generic. He has a wide neck. Maybe he'll be boring. And then actually he brought a lot of charm to mm. the role. And I was really rooting for him. Big fucking shoulder muscles. But... Big, big shoulders, big heart. Yeah, big, big heart, big brain too. Yeah. Mm. I genuinely think it does quite a good balance of, of like that. The rough and tough. Oh, he knows how to punch things to get things done. But also like not tenderness or anything. But like you, he Sometimes has a punch. Yeah, you don't something. have to punch. Yeah. But like you can see that they're working to kind of suggest that the reason he might be a good king is actually that he cares about people and is nice to them. It's mm. just he will also punch you in the face. But, you know, he it's it's that, you know, I thought that they do a good job with the loyalty shtick of like, mm. no, these are my people. Mm. Nobody messes with my people. Mm-hmm. I also like the, um, the times when he ever makes like a questionable decision. It's always rooted in the fact that they have kidnapped someone that he cares about. Mm. Like, I really respected Jude Law's fucking like villain hustle. Yeah. Yeah. They, he goes to pull the sword out of the stone, is directed to do so by David Beckham for some reason. That's immaterial, but we just have to acknowledge that David Beckham is just there playing like a guard captain. And, and then like, he goes away and you never see him again. Yeah, you know, he had to go play in the Mercian Football League, I don't know. Um, but he pulls the sword out of the stone, has a weird spirit vision and collapses and is captured by Jude Law. Jude Law does their sort of, you know, this sort of equivalent of the we're not so different, you and I, um, conversation. And then... Then his plan is, okay, I've got him. I'm gonna get him in front of the people, hold his 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 um, you know, his his friends hostage, murder one of them to make a point that I'm fucking serious, and then get him to deny his birthright in front of thousands of people and chop his head off. And I think we all respected that. Yeah, that was yeah. like I was like, cool, no messing. Yeah. Like yeah. not a problem. Yeah, he was he, he I felt like he was a he was a good convincing villain in that he kind of took it seriously. And was like, no, I'm going to kill things if I have to. Like, there was none of this, oh, maybe we should have a duel to the death or something. I am going to kill you, but I'm going to monologue. You know, I was like, he, he, he felt like a credible threat. Yeah, he was very, he didn't make any bad mistakes at any point. Like, you know, he, he wasn't so much brought down by his hubris at any point of like, you know, there's the classic thing of like, ah, evil contains the seeds of its own destruction sort of thing. He's like, no, he made... Pretty much all the right moves, apart from being a dickhead despot and, like, yeah. riling up the people. Yeah. But, but it's like, part of the point was, like, and I thought they did this quite well, was that there's when there's poison, there's always a cure. So, like, when, as he, because he was using magic, like, as you big up your own magic, the things that oppose you are going to get bigger as well. Mm. And I thought that oh, was... Oh, that's what that meant. Okay. Yeah, that's what that was. So, like, as he built his really phallic tower... Yeah. And it was... We're going to have was, a conversation yeah. about the, the gender theming in this yeah. fucking movie yeah. as well, yeah. But as he built his really phallic tower, the... the the people who opposed him's like mythical kind of version of it was also bigger because the tower, you know, mm. and he was bigging up his tower and had weird squid people living beneath it that gave him power because who, who wouldn't have, yeah. and to be fair, like I, I kind of laughed at them at the time, but I do actually want to say that I thought that they were 
really interesting. Like they're basically mermaids, but with with squid tentacles. Yeah, very I, tentacular. Yeah, but they're genuinely quite unsettling. Yes, yeah. like, I did actually think I was like that. That actually really works as a as an aesthetic. Like I, I would I would love to see more films with with squiddy mer people just because of the the interest of the. The weird movement and the gliding mm. and stuff. I was like, oh, that's and they also movie. like harken back to the classic witch idea of maiden, mother, and crone. Yeah, it's like it's it it. I, another thing I commented on while we were watching the film is that mm. while it is very you know Guy Ritchie, you know London kin- hyperkinetic editing and mm. like bish bash bash and very like sort of we're rooted in the streets, lads. We're and, boys and, doing and, and it. Patter. Yeah, yeah, lots of banter and patter, and it was like a genuinely fun batter, banter and patter and stuff. But I, I got confused, but it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> but the the thing I also liked is that it never let go of like its mythic roots. Mm. That it did a great line in really good visual spectacle, but also like really solid image building. If you get me, yeah. like you know the scene when he fucking like approaches the sword for the first time. And it's like he's silhouetted against like the white sky and the sword sitting up from under him and his face is partially in shadow. I'm just like, that's really nice. Um, like the whole bit when he's having his like mind duel in the top, top of the tower that is also at the uh, at the ocean mm. and like everything sort of becomes this kind of hyper fantasy version. And they even say, we're going to dose you up with snake venom so you can see the truth of the world and also a bunch of weird shit. Mm. So it's like, how much of this is actually happening? How much of this is like... The legend of truth how much of it is just sort of like hallucinations and like magic stuff mm. it, it was very very cool i sort of liked it played with that ambiguity like we mm. were saying last night i i really appreciate a film that can leave some stuff mm. kind of ambiguous and be like we don't have to really explain this stuff that much it didn't lore dump on us too much i think which was yeah. nice mm. it was you know it left you and it, it was like kind of and there are giant elephants yeah. There are, there, yes, this movie does open with a set of gigantic war elephants with fortresses on their back attacking Camelot. Um, Why wouldn't it? So would you say, Nick, that the Robin Hood film yeah. you mentioned yes. did not have that same mythic quality? No, but, I mean, but for one thing, Robin Hood is less mythic than Arthurian mm. legend, I think, yeah, so it doesn't really but... go with it. But it was also like... It kind of wanted to be like, oh, you know, the state is really strong and powerful, but if the people rise up, we can beat them. Kind of. I think it might have ended on like a sequel hook as well, mm. rather than actually resolving the classic Robin Hood story. But surely that's kind of the message of this film as well. The state is powerful, but we... The people are more powerful. We rose up and defeated it. Well, the, the I mean, I think the thing with when you're dealing with kings is that, you know, that's always a slightly different ballgame whenever fair, you're talking fair. about state yes. dynamics, because mm. it's about like... You know, the rightful king. Yeah, the right correctness of the bloodline, yeah. you know, the sort of vaguely eugenics-y implications of, like, he's bred to be the perfect king. But I like that the film went out of its way to show that the things that made him successful weren't anything to do with his birthright. Mm. It was his connection to the people around him and his, you know, ability to think outside the box and the fact that they were like, they were like, oh, we can go and get the banner man and get 60, you know, we need to get, like, you know, 6,000 men to go and wage war. And he's like, no, 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 we're not fucking doing that, mate. <laughs> what we're going to fucking do is just fuck with him a bit until he comes out of hiding. It's going to be fucking great, And mate. then we're going to try and assassinate him. Yeah, mm. shoot him in the head with an arrow. Like, yeah. you got to respect that level of, mm. like, you know, I'm going to shoot mm. you in the head with an arrow. Yeah. Um, it was all business. And I, I, I felt like I appreciated that more than, like... It didn't really have a big Lord of the Rings-style, like, mm. 
battle thing, which I think was good. Yes, mm. that's a very good point. It did not feel like it shoehorned in something clearly inspired by Lord of the Rings. Yeah, mm. I mean, even though it did open with gigantic elephants stomping on armies. Yeah, 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 but that was like thematically, like that fit the plot. Yeah. It's like we start with a battle. It's a big battle. That's really like the biggest battle that you have. Really. Yeah, yeah, literally. Everything else is quite personal. Yeah, yeah. and that's it's... okay. There's a bit where Arthur literally says, we don't need a big army of people. Everything mm. we need is us here in this cave. Mm. Yeah. You know, where he's like, we've got all the right people and we can make all the right decisions. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just, I also like another good Charlie Hunnam thing, which he had in Pacific Rim. No love interest. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah. No and, Guinevere swooning or whatever. Yeah. And like, I, I wondered if he and the catch of the mage were going to get it on, but they didn't. No. She was just doing her own thing. Just like mutual respect. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. Good. Mm. I don't think her name is Catcher. I think she might be supposed to be Nimue, but I'm not sure. It's difficult to tell. There's there's a lot of weird, symboly, bluey imagery of wateriness, and uh, she was sent by Merlin. And that bit when he goes into the lake in the puddle, which yeah. was really fucking cool, where she has scene. all of her hair and like ribbons were, like obscuring her face. It's very difficult was... to tell. It could have been. And I think they deliberately obscure it, so yeah. it might be the okay. same person. Ambiguity again. Like, okay, yeah. okay. Um, yes, which yes. again, also is quite a nice callback on the fact that with Arthurian legend, like everybody's been everybody at some point. Mm. So like sometimes Nimue is the lady of the lake who has the arm of Samite and brings mm. out the sword. And sometimes Nimue is a different person. And the first thing to learn about anything Arthurian legend is mostly to start letting that wash over you like music. Well, that's fine. <laughs> that's basically what I was doing. Yeah. So. Another thing that I thought about, again, because I've seen it recently, if you listen to our episode about it, um, and also me and Rachel were talking about it the other night, um, mm. Seeing this in close proximity to Green Knights. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great. Like, it, it kind of works. It, in it some felt kind of contiguous in a lot of yeah. ways. Like, very different filmmaking style. But I felt like it was approaching Arthurian, you know, tropes and ideas with, again, reverence, but also mm. transformatively. Yes. Also, I thought the two, like, spirit quest bits, although this one was much more action-y rather than Garwen's kind of, like, walk through this strange world. Yeah. Some of the filming shots and the weirdnesses actually matched. Yeah. It was really interesting to see that. I was just like, huh, it's it's good to see this sort of weird quest thing going on. It was, mm. it was a... It, yeah, they did. In some ways, they have like you can kind of see how they, they have. I feel like these films have an interesting talking relationship, even though I don't imagine for a minute that the people who made the Green Knight really have watched this and gone, "Yes, but what?" They're if- like that guy Richie's onto something there. <laughs> but it, it was it was just a, it was an interesting interesting thing, you know. Yeah. And I, I I'm a big Arthurian legend buff, so like I, I I was I when I first watched this, I was kind of coming at it from this like now we know that it's not going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I was like, mm, not the one for my mother, who's also a big Arthurian <laughs> legend buff. I will say there was a point in this movie when we realised what Arthur was going to be. Where I said Arthur's a wide boy, <laughs> and then it points through the movie. I just kept going, it's wide boy Arthur, because it, it's it. Honestly, it just doesn't get old. That no. he's like constantly being like, you know, fuck it, no way. The one thing I did keep thinking is like. Man, I would love to see the parallel continuity where this real role, which was obviously written for Tom Hardy, was actually given to Tom Hardy. Because oh, I hey, feel like yeah. he would have absolutely had a whale of a time yeah, in this film. Hunnam does a great job. For like, you know, he does a great job, but it's clear I feel that he sort of looked at, you know, Tom oh. Hardy's performance in um what's it, the when we played the Cray Twins. Right. Was it infamous? Legend. Um, legend, yeah. Where he played, you know, where he did that. And also just like, I've, I've been watching a lot of Peaky Blinders recently and I'm just all like, God, there's a lot of the DNA of like mm-hmm. Guy Ritchie's filmmaking career in there. And you're just like, yeah. Can I talk a little bit about the editing? Yes. yes. So Guy Ritchie, well known for his 
very kind of stylized and hyperkinetic, very motion-based editing. Um, I really like it generally. Like, I really, really, you know, with no trace of irony at all. I think that the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes films are my favorite Sherlock Holmes adaptations. Flatly, I just really enjoy the way and the feel of the way that he shoots those films. This has a lot of that as well, where he's sort of... He's very good at doing the kind of thing where the camera is moving a lot and, like, going from thing to thing to thing very quickly. But unlike stuff like the sort of, you know, the classic concepts of Michael Michael Bay's Bayhem and stuff like that, where it's all shaky camera, but you can't really see what's going on, this always felt very clear yeah. and That's very, true. like... It was a much steadier camera, actually. It was yeah. moving quickly, but I always it wasn't, thought, like... With purpose, yeah. 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 I always thought I knew what I was looking at. I yeah. never felt dizzy or kind of, like, sometimes modern things, you sometimes go, oh, my God, you know. But I, I always felt really clear about what I was supposed to be seeing and how I was supposed to be seeing it. And I liked that. I thought that was... I mm. thought it had that good sense of energy and pace. Actually, I think as well, because I I have also seen the Sherlock Holmes films and I did enjoy them, Mm. but I think that the um, style of this in some ways works better for this because mm. it does give it that mythic magical quality. I thought it sat on a really nice boundary between action and like fantasy in terms of that. And it kind of it, it all kind of contributed to like this fun, otherworldly feel. Mm. Mm. Like you know, like the the supernatural is just lurking on the periphery. The supernatural yeah. is lurking, and the colours are bright, and the history is flexible, mm. and the buildings are tall and cool. I'm not sure about the giant snake. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about the giant snake. That did come out of nowhere a bit. Well, I like the giant snake. I, um, I don't, I I don't know if cool I can sequence. defend it. I'm like, you know, I was like, uh, can I, you know, I think that the only reason she couldn't summon it before, I would genuinely defend that as a thing, is that I think she couldn't do that until Arthur was in like the right headspace. I think yeah. he was like a conduit. Her power is yeah. related to what he can do. And we did see that at the beginning as well with Vortigan and Mordred. Like, yeah, when they Mordred shared power there. and like Mordred so got I, killed and Vortigan yeah. was bleeding. So yeah. that's why she didn't say Oh, that's what that was about. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. I was totally confused the whole way through. Also, I thought there was a nice thing about like, you know, Arthur has kind of got to overcome and face and make peace with his very real childhood trauma mm. of seeing his parents murdered in front of him yeah when mm. he was a wee babby i also so, liked... and i thought that that links in with the the literally her magic needs to be ready as well like, i also like that nice. one thing i was going to say i liked about that was <laughs> that there's this constant thing of like Arthur is, you know, not looking at the full picture of what actually happened to him as a child. And he goes on his first proper spirit quest into the Darklands where he learns most of the truth. He kills a lot of giant rats. And a couple of giant bats and a big snake. <laughs> and and something else giant, I feel. Basically, he, 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 he devastates the local world. He also gets the shit kicked out of him, which is quite fun as well. He does, yes. But um, on that, he learns most of the truth. But then they're saying that there's something in this in this that you're not looking at that you are refusing to acknowledge. And I think, and what I like is that there wasn't really any specific thing. Mm. It was less about, there was, you know, because I was thinking, oh, is there going to be some twist to like, you know, how events went down? Because you see like, oh, it was Vortigan that killed his father. He turned into like, you know, medieval Darth Maul. And like his father turned himself into the stone and stabbed himself with the sword, which was baller as fuck. I was like, that's so cool. I love it. Um, but the thing that when he actually finally faced up to it, he just saw the whole thing again and he realized that he as a child had been afraid, but he was no longer afraid. Mm-hmm. It was more about yeah. that personal acceptance and journey of those steps rather yeah. than 
any you know, the secret knowledge sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, which I, I think is, as I think, that's that nice well. in terms of, like, overcoming mm. trauma. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd like to say, like, on a slightly different note, like, one of the things I I was interested in and wanted to explore in this film a bit is I feel it has a very complicated relationship with gender. It does. In, like, quite Doesn't a, it just? Not, like, because, okay, so... It's like, Guy Ritchie, for one thing, yeah. who's not known for his nuance of, like, yeah. portraying female characters. So, so I mean, you have to start with, like, obviously the fact that... Um, in the like the first like in the first like ten minutes like three you know two or three women die very quick in very quick succession and yes. like one of the ways Vortigern gets power is basically like I will kill my wife now to get more power and sacrifice you know that kind of sacrifice. Thing. But, but so, the sacrifice involves feeding her to the, to the female squid women. ladies. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But um. But he, and like Arthur grows up in a brothel. Mm. Um, so his loyalty is hugely to the women of this brothel. So I mean, equally, some of them, therefore, one of you know, you you see them get killed and hurt to make Arthur move. But on the other hand, they are allowed in the council meetings later. Yeah. And part of it, it's it's just very interesting because I mean, it's it's partly a joke, but I think there is something quite symbolic about the fact that you've got Vortigern who's making his power out of masculine, masculine things, and the big phallic tower which yeah. is really phallic and then when people and they use... say and they say the taller the tower gets the more his power grows like yeah. the bigger his peen is the yeah. more devastating it and is when he does power things fire does come out of the top of it yeah. yeah um and then like part of the whole point is like arthur levels the tower yeah and you're like you know i wouldn't want to say but i do think there's something because also uh, like arthur's main ally is the mage who's a woman yeah and mm. it's 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 just very interesting i feel like it's not as like, obviously, yeah. You, if you if you don't enjoy seeing women get you know killed for dudes doing things and looking a bit tragic, that bit will but, annoy you. But, but it is interesting. But the dudes die to motivate Arthur as well. There are dudes yeah. who die. The, also. the 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 dad who gets yeah. his ears cut off. Oh dear. And then yeah. can I just say fucking incredible bit of acting from Jude Law? <laughs> like he's threatening the guy. The guy's son comes in, and the son who goes blue is a smart kid. Immediately pretends to be a cleaner. And like tries to sort of extra, extract himself from the situation, and he's like, "I don't know him." He's like, "Oh, so you wouldn't care if I cut off his ears?" He's like, "Not my ears, sir. Not my problem." And then he goes to cut off the ear, and he's like, "No, don't do it!" And he's just all like, "Ah!" Chops his ear off, and then holds the ear in his hand and says, "Now I'm going to ask you again." Speaking into the severed ear, I'm just like, "Top tier villain shit, man. Yeah. Good but stuff." But Jude Law's having a great time, guys. Jude Law, Jude oh. Law doesn't probably doesn't need to be paid to be in this. But <laughs> I think like that's that's brutality. Mm against men and I feel there's something else did Frankie Fox die sorry yeah, Freddie, Fo- Freddie Fox yeah. No, yeah well we don't know he died he probably died never, though I think he, was, he, I think he died I yeah. think he died because yeah. like, I understand oh, you have something have a, to tell like, me on yeah. a totally different note though but we, we haven't mentioned the glory that was Kung Fu George Kung, Kung Fu George, George. Like, like, he doesn't die but I think we should all take a moment to go Kung Fu George Kung Fu George was fucking um, great yeah and I, I what I liked you know there was the fucking get in the hole Arthur moment yeah. which was really good where they've tried the assassination it's failed they're on the run they've had this madcap chase through the city where you know slowly but surely friends get injured and some of them you know have to mm. try and give themselves to hold it off so they can get away and they end up at kung fu george's kung fu school in londinium don't, don't ask, ask questions yeah. <laughs> um, and they're all like we need to get out through this secret passage and arthur's all like okay you guys get in the hole they're like arthur you need to get into the hole he's like no i'm not getting in the hole he's like tristan get in the hole tristan like, i'm sorry mate he goes 
goes, come on, John, John get in the hole. John's like, I'm scared of the dark. You know, and they all <laughs> refuse to go because they love him. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, we... Yeah, and, and also they're like, you, you're the leader. You're yeah, king. You're king. You need to survive. And I, I love that George is all like, he says, I can't stop him. They've been training for this their whole lives. This is what they're here to do, man. And they want to protect you. And you're like, the boys. The Kung Fu boys. The Kung Fu boys. It's great. <laughs> then, yeah. then after Arthur awakens his powers and devastates the soldiers, there's this long pause, which they really draw out, which I love. After gonna get in the hole now <laughs> <laughs> also i like i think both both the black guys survived the movie so yeah, that's, that's nice yeah it, Tristan yeah. and Belvedere both made it yeah. through to the and end and Kung Fu George who is not black and Kung um yeah so I, I I do do feel I didn't feel the the um like I'm not oh my god this was such a feminist movie but mm. it wasn't unfeminist yeah. no it yeah. had a complicated relationship and that was yeah. interesting and I yes. liked that yeah. you know, I, I, I would like... also say just in terms of like we were talking about um, Vortigern's you know big phallic power thing yeah. mm. it's worth noting that like if, if you're just talking in terms of imagery construction stuff mm. the thing that gives Arthur his true awakening of his power is that he is pulled into a dark cavernous damp place mm. hey into, that's true yeah, yeah it's like he goes into something yeah. to yeah. become you know and then draws his sword back out again mm. you know reunited with it after he yeah. threw it away yes like there i think i don't think that's unintentional i'm just no, like no i, I think yeah. that there's definitely like i said i definitely think you are supposed to be taking he's, from this film yeah he's drawn degree. into a dark cavernous damp place by a lady yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah you know there's stuff about women power versus masculine power here yeah um, and, yeah. and that's that feels fitting for the for the story and the mythos you know yeah. hell like, yeah yeah okay um i'm gonna move us towards uh, yes. the end because we're yeah. gonna need to go and get the bus in a minute yeah um rachel would you recommend this movie to people yeah i mean i'd obviously recommend it with the caveat of if you do not enjoy slightly ridiculous action films then you won't enjoy it but mm. this but it's more than just an action film it was genuinely fun and it genuinely had something it wanted to say mm. it's just also happily concealed in I'm Guy Ritchie I'm going to shoot this as I love to shoot and it was like yes sir do that thing live your was, truth Guy Ritchie live yeah. your truth Maddie you know, would you oh sorry go yeah I just yeah but it's it's terrific fun like I knew when I'd watched it I was like we can do a podcast on this <laughs> I said in 2020 yeah. <laughs> Maddie would you recommend this film yeah to the right people I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would mm. and yeah it was fun and I genuinely also I must say I really like the music yeah, yeah. really good score yeah like a nice mix of sort of like modern sounding and like sad Celtic dramatic sounding good yeah. brass also we forgot to mention uh, Jakob Jakob <gasps> Jakob from Sex Education and he's also in um, fi uh, fire Eurovision the, so the Fire Saga story yeah Liz was watching yeah, yeah. Um, he's in it playing a you know kind of shitty Viking and he's having a good time yes he does yeah. get his beard chopped off by Charlie Hunnam early on in the film which is yeah. very enjoyable um, so I think um, unless there's anything specific that I would would you recommend through. it maybe? oh obviously yeah, yeah this, this is aggressively my sort of thing and it's another <laughs> it's another bullet in the chamber of my gun which is saying Charlie Hunnam is an underrated and good actor so also, I guess I was also gonna just... in this film Aidan Gillen is in it as well so it was like a little queer, queer as folk reunion <laughs> um, which I, I was very happy about um he was, he was Goose Fat Bill. Goose, Goose Fat, Fat Bill! Bill. Oh, and you know what they use Goose Fat for? Shut up, Rachel! <laughs> so we're going to move into final thoughts. Um, Maddie, your final thoughts on King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword. It's put a smile on my face. Brilliant. Rachel? I genuinely really enjoy this. As, as an Arthurian fan, I think it can proudly take its place in the canon. Hell yeah. Um, and for me, my final thoughts are Charlie Hunnam's The Boy, and for some of these action sequences, I too have seen Kung Fu Hustle. Oh, <laughs> oh and one more thing. Um, 
Vortigern's like medieval Darth Maul is just a Dark Souls boss. So if you enjoy Dark Souls iconography, it's a great time. Bye. <laughs>